at the end of the day, I feel like part of my job is to, um, you know, now that my audience has sort of gifted me the opportunity to explore what life's about when you stop chasing shiny things. Because at 22, you know, I got all this money. They gave it to me. Uh, make no mistake about it. The people listen to the music, they gave me their money. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I learned was, you know, with money, I felt 0% more secure, 0% more comfortable in my own skin, and 0% happier. <laughs> What up, though? This is Mike Posner, and you're watching me on Living Large. <laughs> Welcome into the podcast, another episode of Living Large. We're going to get right into it today, guys. A little bit different of an episode. We're going to have a mini concert because we have one of my favorite artists ever, Mike Posner. Thank Welcome, you, sir. Bro. Thank, Thank you for having me. I love the I'm energy. Excited. What are you going to perform? This, I'm going to do this new song, Move On, first. There you go. Let's get it. I wish Tracy Chapman was my friend She would know exactly what to say Beginnings always hide themselves in ends At some point I will be okay I got high when I met you I got high I to forget you I feel pain I don't want to but I have to yeah I have to if I wanna move on 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 I went to see some shaman in L.A. To hear some things I wanted to hear. Everyone just wants to feel good. Everyone just wants to disappear. I called up girls that live in my hometown. To help fill up the minutes. I lit a match and saged my house down It didn't make a difference So I got high when I met you I got high to forget you I feel pain I don't want to But I have to Yeah, I have to If I wanna move on, move on, move on, move on. Uh, Thank you. I love that song. I never finished the song and got just two distinct claps before. (laughs) The first time. It was always either. Either many claps or none at all. <laughs> I thought everyone else was going to clap, and I wasn't sure if you were going to go into the next song. <laughs> I wasn't either. <laughs> oh, man. What do, you got, what do you got next? I'll play one more for you. Um, this is... Uh, 
a song I wrote um, three years ago. Actually, no, that's a lie. It was five years ago now. And I was in the studio with a buddy of mine named Jake Owen, who's a great country artist. And uh, we were passing the guitar. So I'll play a song that uh, I'd written. I'd pass the guitar to him. He, he'd play a song he'd written, pass it back, and so on. And I played this old tune of mine, and uh, he looked at me, and he goes, that's a great song. What's it about? I said, it's about a girl I had a thing with, and uh, some of it I just made up, uh-huh. you know? And he, and he looked at me, I'll never forget, and he goes, why don't you just tell the truth? Why don't you just tell the truth? And that night I wrote this, it's called... I took a pill in Ibiza To show Avicii I was cool And when I finally got sober Felt ten years older Oh fuck it, it was something to do I'm living out in LA I drive a sports car just to prove I'm a real big baller Cause I made a million dollars And I spend it on girls and shoes You don't wanna be higher like me Never really knowing why you like me you don't never wanna step off that roller coaster and be all alone. And you don't wanna ride the bus like this, never knowing who to trust like this. You don't wanna be stuck up on that stage singing, stuck up on this stage singing. Oh, I know, or sad songs, sad songs, a darling know are sad songs sad songs I'm just a singer who's about to blow a second shot I get along with old timers my name's a reminder of a pop song people forgot and I can't keep a girl no because as soon as the sun comes up I cut them all loose and work's my excuse The truth is I can't open up Now you don't wanna be higher like me Never really knowing why you like me You don't never wanna step off that roller coaster And be all alone And you don't wanna ride the bus like this Never knowing who to trust like this You don't wanna be stuck up on that stage singing Stuck up on this stage singing Sad songs, sad songs. I don't know. I know. Sad songs, sad songs. Oh. I took a plane to my hometown. I brought my pride and my guitar Well, my friends are all gone But there's manicured lawns And the people still think I'm a star I walked around downtown, yeah I met some fans on Lafayette They said, Mike, tell us how to make it We're getting real impatient I looked them in the eyes and said You don't want to be higher like me Never really knowing why you like me. You don't never want to step off that roller coaster and be all alone. 
You don't want to ride the bus like this Never knowing who to trust like this You don't want to be stuck up on that stage singing Stuck up on this stage singing Oh, I know For sad songs Sad songs Amazing. One, two, three, four. We're going to give him all hey. the claps in the world on that one. Hey, I'm putting this over. All right. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being on. Should, I, should I put right cans there. on? What's that? You're putting cans on? Put yeah, cans so I can hear better. See, hear that luscious voice right in the ears. <laughs> so I want to talk about that. So you, so you mentioned that you wrote that song because you wanted to tell the truth. Yeah. And um, move on. Another song, very personal to you. Is that something that you do you enjoy songwriting so much more now that you had that conversation with Jake Owens or, you know, the old, you know, drug dealer girl smoke and drive? Um, I think I enjoy it about the same amount. Same amount? I just love making music, man. I, I think I'm better at it now uh, just because I've been doing it longer, you know, so um the the yeah the fun is still the same like when when you finish a song and you know it's good it, it's just there's no other feeling really like it that I've experienced I I, I I suspect it's something like you know um when a writer finishes the book or something you know mm -hmm. they probably have some some version of the same feeling um, but I have noticed that the song's effect in the world has has changed. Um, Whereas early in my career, my songs, I think, were the soundtrack for a lot of people sort of uh, hanging out and, mm -hmm. and partying, um, which is which is great. And uh, the I guess the remixes of my songs still are kind of <laughs> like that at times. <laughs> um, but, but now I think more often than not, my songs are um, become a way for, for people to look inward and feel something inward. So there's been this shift of, of outward energy to, to inward energy um, where, yeah, I, I, because I'm exploring inward more mm -hmm. in, the, in the songs. Yeah. When you're writing music, do you cater to the audience more or cater to what you want to hear? Yeah, great question. Um, the, a woman named Maria Popova said this, said this quote and it's always helped me in all my albums and this goes for any artist um, of any medium, yourself, you know, whether you write books or just anyone who creates anything, your job is to create the art that you want to exist in the world. Period. That is that is your job, and there's nothing else to it. So, um, you know, I, I don't make what I think you want to hear or my manager wants to hear. Literally, my job is to create what I custom, music custom-made for me. You know, so my favorite artist is me. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Course. Like, and I should be. You know what I mean? I should, I should, I'm making the stuff, so it should resonate with me the most. You know, um, and and that always has been a, a a place, a quote that's helped me in my albums. Just it's been a north star of sorts. So I hope it can be that for for others as well. Absolutely. And you talk about you create music for yourself, right? But. Uh, a lot of people are actually unaware of the fact that you made Boyfriend for Justin Bieber. You made Sugar for Maroon 5. How, do, how does that process work when you're creating a song like Sugar and, and Boyfriend? You're making it for you, right? But then you hand it off. 
what is that process like yeah so um i uh i write for an album typically between 50 and 70 songs and obviously an album was only gonna be 10 or 15 songs so um some of those songs i just think aren't good at all um and then some of them i think are really good but they don't fit either where i'm at in my life or what i'm trying to do with my project and um and and every once in a while one of those songs that i'm not using that that is good um makes sense for where someone else is in their life and, and a project they're working on. Um, so, and, and every once in a while, I know one of those people. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's a cool thing when you can contribute someone to someone else's career and it touches a lot of people. Definitely. Absolutely. So you grew up in De- a suburb of Detroit, right? Yeah, Southfield. Midwest boy. Yeah. Uh, attended Duke. Like you. Yeah, boy, I'm from Ohio. Boy. OH. I O. OH. I O. Um, but you went to Duke. What what made you get into music in the first place? Wow, man. So I started rapping when I was eight years old. Rapping? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I, I pretty much only did hip-hop until I was 20. I rapped and made beats. Um, I had some older cousins that rapped. And um, I'm getting a little emotional, but my I had two friends, um, Aaron Webster and Ronnie Posey. And one night we had a... A sleepover at Ronnie's house and for whatever reason we had decided we were gonna freestyle that night none of us had freestyled before and um, we had sort of like found CDs that were either ours or our parents that had instrumental songs on them that we could try to rap over and uh, and I remember we went in Ronnie's basement and um, we all did it and and those guys who are you know i'm getting a little emotional because ronnie actually just passed away about three weeks ago um webb is you know and there's still some of my good friends webb's still one of my really good friends and those two guys like had fun and they were kind of like cool and i remember just thinking i'm never gonna stop that Mm -hmm. i'm gonna get really good at that and that's what i did that's really amazing, man. And it's been cool, actually, for you to open up. And I'm sorry to, to hear about your friend. You've opened you. up. You opened in the, the move on. You lost a friend. Mm. You lost your father. Mm. What's life like been for you? And I want to talk about your journey now because in that music video, it was a very personal video. And I really appreciate the way you shot it because it was vertical on an iPhone, like iPhone, um, very intimate, you know, like you, you shot it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Not many artists are doing that. You know, they have this full production with a red camera and that was just like a really personal video. And I feel like it resonated with a lot of people because they can relate to you on a personal level rather than being like this unattainable person. You know what I'm saying? Hi, I'm Arusha Pires, host of a new podcast called Investing with IBD. Here are a few snippets from the conversations that we're having. Facebook, you know, it's coming back. I was really treating it as a counter trend kind of stock. You have these really fast moving stocks. You want to have a little bit slower moving stocks also in your portfolio. What Bill observed after sitting through many market corrections is that the market will come down, but you need to wait a few days and see if there's going to be continued power. And that's where he came up with the follow through day concept. 
One of the most interesting things is, you know, utilities have actually been very, very strong over the last 52 weeks. The work that we've done on yield curve inversion suggests that after the yield curve inverts, over the next year, utility performance is actually not that good. Come join the conversation on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. What's making you... Because you're walk in that video, you say you're gonna walk across America. Correct. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. What's making you want to do that? Um, being around that death definitely was a was a huge catalyst. Um, I feel most of us, upwards of ninety percent, have a list of things that we want to do in our life when we're done doing what we think we have to do. Mm-hmm. Right. So we just basically putting off the things that are are calling to us. And um, I'd wanted to, I've wanted to walk across America for for years, um, but always something would come up. Either I need to finish the album or something, and and you really need to start a walk across America like now. We're mm-hmm. we're it's April right now, it's spring, and I'm kind of late honestly because I I hurt my foot. But you really need to start in like March because of the way the mountain ranges are and the way the seasons line up. So, anyways, I kept missing it, and then. Really, when my friend Avicii died, I was like, "Man, I'm I'm going on the walk this year. I'm I'm going." But you have an album coming out. You need to t- cool. I'm going on the walk. This is my life. I'm the only person that needs to be in this body. I'm going on the walk, and um, that that's not to say anyone else should go on the walk. But you should remember that you're gonna die. All of us are, and. Everyone wants you to forget you're going to die. Why? Because if you forget you're going to die, you waste your time working on some company that you don't care about. And then you'll make money and you'll waste it on buying stuff that someone else is selling. That only works if you forget you're going to die. If you remember you're going to die, you'll do what is important to you and and you'll be in touch with the things that are important to you and the people that are important to you and and treating them the right way. So, um, you know, being around that death, Help me live a better life. Continues to help me live a better life. And um, the more I can remember, I, I say, keep death on my shoulder, the more I can make right decisions, I feel. That's really inspiring because it's, it's a hard thing to do. And I was watching, actually, an Avicii documentary, and that was something everyone else was like, had so much pressure on him, right? And he was like, felt the pressure of always having to perform, always having to go out there. And then finally, he's just like, I'm just going to retire you know what i'm saying yeah is that a difficult decision for you to make to put this life on hold but it's it, it you're living your life but you're putting this life that everyone wants you to live on hold i'm putting i'm actually i don't even think of this putting it on hold i'd think of it more as like going into a different direction just to use a different metaphor for me i feel like i'm walking in a different direction i'm 31 years old and um about six months ago I, I, I said I started looking at my lifestyle and I said well, does my lifestyle match who I am now and at the time the answer was really no I had the lifestyle that that I really like the 22 year old version of me which was like going around the world like trying doing whatever I could to get more famous and and get hit songs this kind of thing it just didn't match who I who I am now what I care about now um so I needed to, I just needed to make my lifestyle reflect who I am. And um, there's a lot of things that, like, I have more ideas and more things I want to do than, than fit in one life, mm-hmm. probably. Um, so 
I just like I'm very curious and enthusiastic and and, and I want to try all these different things a lot of them have to do with music a lot of them have nothing to do with music and um I I want my life to to read like a novel I want my Wikipedia page to be like you know a Virginia Woolf book I think most people's lives end up reading like instruction manuals it's like step yeah, yeah. one, go to college. Step two, get job. Step three, have kids. Yeah. Step four, teach kid to do same thing, repeat <laughs> over, right? And like that that's cool. There's nothing yeah. wrong with it, but that's not what I want. I want my life to be like a movie, you mm -hmm. know? And so this is just one chapter I want in my book. Is that something, because me being from the Midwest, you being from the Midwest, coming out here in Los Angeles and living this, do you feel like you got caught up in a lifestyle that you kind of lost your roots, if you will, of like yeah. humble Detroit kid? Totally. I was thinking about that earlier today, man, because growing up, I was really into, at the time they would call it like a, a, a sub-niche of hip-hop called backpack rap. Um, it's like my favorite rappers were the rappers that did not wear gold chains mm -hmm. or platinum chains at the time, like did not have, you know, scantily clad women in their video. Like those were my, my guys were like most deaf and Talib Kweli and the roots and outcast. And then fast forward, I'm age 23. And like, I would, I would, I had like the cool, like the Louis Vuitton belt and like sagging my pants and all these gold chains on and a diamond earring. And it's like, what, you you became like the stuff that you didn't like when you were a kid and so yeah i think i think i definitely got when i was younger um got swept up into thinking that the universe is sort of revolved around me and and um, the most important thing was was me and and me being liked by other people when did you come to the realization that that's not what you wanted to do when i failed okay um my first hit song was a song called Cooler Than Me. Mm -hmm. and it was my first single I ever put out. So Was that not on the mixtape, the first mixtape? It was on the first mixtape. Right, and then, then the remix. The remix, I did a record deal. And, excuse me, the first song we put out was a single with Cooler Than Me, and it went huge. Yeah. So I'm, I think I'm like 23, 24 at the time, something like that. And uh, I'm parading around the world. I'm taking my shirt off at shows and... Um, making more money than a 24 year old should make and um i thought oh this is this is what i'm one for one right and this right. this is gonna this will always happen whenever i put a song out so my next single was a song called please don't go i would also say it was a hit song but oh, it, song. it wasn't yeah. it wasn't as big a hit so it was kind of viewed like as a failure internally on my team on your and, team yeah and like Did at my label were you like, happy with it though I was happy when I made it. And this okay. is something I learned later too, is that the reward for making music is when you make it. Right. And then, then it's done. And whatever happens after is, is a byproduct. Some of the things are nice byproducts, money and attention. Mm -hmm. Cool. It's, it's, those are good things. They, mm -hmm. f they feel good, but they're byproducts. And don't, don't ever forget that. And so, yeah, so yeah. And then basically I p kept putting songs out and they, each one, was was a little less popular than the one before until finally a few years later like my career was kind of just like ground to a halt i was what people called um a one-hit wonder which really i sort of was um 
I had like literally nothing on my calendar, nothing to do, no, no shows, nothing. And uh, I was what in the music industry they call shelved, which means right. that the label can't justify really spending any more money to market you or whatever. So they're just not going to put your stuff out. So I'm, I'm just basically sitting there. And was, I remember being at my house. And I was like, okay, man, I have $2 million and nothing to do. My career is like ice cold. What do I want to do? And I had this realization that I still love what I still love music. I still love to make it regardless of if I'm Mr. Popular or not. It's still something I want to do. So I have this time. Let, let me get better at making music. So that's when I you asked me earlier when I started playing guitar. That's when I started playing guitar. That's when I started taking voice lessons. And that's when I started learning piano. Then I didn't play any instruments before, even though I was successful. I, mean, so I, didn't, I, I didn't consider myself good or a musician, really. So that's when I, I learned. And then I wrote the song I, I played earlier. I took a pill in Ibiza, which was about that, which was about my career grinding to a halt. When you say your career grinded to a halt, were you, had you written Boyfriend yet or Sugar? I wrote Boyfriend and Sugar in that dark period. Okay. So it was, uh, it was interesting because... In around here in LA, I was viewed as as a songwriter. Okay. So people would we call me to write for their albums, but no one cared about my music mm-hmm. to put out. And I, to me, I was an artist, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so yeah, the Sugar and Boyfriend sort of came in that in that time, and then yeah, when I wrote Ibiza, which is kind of like just just impossibly ironic because it's about blowing your shot yeah yeah and and the writing of that was another shot yeah so that was sort of the trajectory i I was on that's really wow that's insane do you think and and you say in the not in the remix i think the second verse isn't in the remix right like the third verse or the third Third, verse going back to your hometown yeah um yeah your your home you, you talk about your hometown like you're still you're a star all the time because because I watched an interview with you. There's peaks and valleys in this career, right? Yeah. And you say even in the valleys in my hometown, <laughs> I'm like still at a peak. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you like enjoy going back to your hometown? Is there like a, a mural there of Mike Posner? Um, with the first part of your question, yes, I love going back to my hometown. My mom lives there, and some of my best friends in the world live there, and um. It smells different there, as I don't know if you've noticed this, but oh, yeah. the, there's different types of trees, and um, there's more trees, as you know, and um, so it, sm- it smells way different, um, and the birds are actually a lot different, which I know that sounds like a silly thing to say, but um, growing up, I don't even remember this, but my mom always tells this story of that when I was a baby, I would go or maybe a toddler, two, three years old, I'd be in the backyard and the birds would chirp. I'd try to sing the melody back to them. So I really think that the melodies, those birds, and they sing the same melody. It's like (laughs) the same thing every day, every year. I think they have a lot to do with the melodies that I write in my songs because they're sort of like hammered in there. I've never Um, heard anybody say that. That's really awesome. Yeah, I mean, the birds here have totally different songs. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I hear, but they're less like in my DNA than I think probably the ones in Michigan. And um, 
What was the second part of your question? Do I like going home? And is there a mural? Is there a mural? Like I'm not sure if there's still a mural. There used to be a big mural of uh, Big Sean. And um, you guys went to the same, grew up in the same neck of the woods because you both went. Sean and I, he's he's from Detroit also, and we met when we were 18. Um, and you guys did Smoke and Drive. Was that your first song together? It was our first song together. We both sang on, I believe. I had done a few beats for him before okay, that. Okay. Um, but yeah, I met him when I was 18. A lot of people don't know. I was basically like in his entourage for several years. I did beats for him, sing, sang hooks. And when I did my first mixtape that you heard, he gave me three verses. One on Cooler Than Me, one on Who Knows, and one on Smoke and Drive. And that really like kind of helped start my career. So I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. Shout out Big Sean. Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, so yeah, it used to be this mural that someone did of Sean. And then like the side of the mural, they did like some of the rest of our crew and they did me. I was much smaller than Sean in <laughs> the mural, but, but you yeah. still made it onto the mural. I'm not sure if the mural is still there. It used to be on uh, Dexter and Waverly. If you guys are in yeah. uh, Michigan, go to Dexter and Waverly. Let us know if the mural is still there. When you talk about, so you're on top of the world, right? With cooler than me and you were, you, your ego was pretty high. Yeah. At that time, did you feel when you said you, started to learn guitar you started to learn piano you started to learn all these instruments did you have to like humble yourself in a way and did you feel like when you were at duke or when you were first starting off do you feel like you worked harder then than you had been after your hit and you had to like re regain mm. that like drive you know what i'm saying since you had the million dollars you had the car you had the girls you had the shoes mm. did you have to refine like the passion or did you lose the passion that's interesting i think inspiration is different than drive i would say it probably got more driven when i had the first success which means like yeah you know you're just kind of like gearing yourself up to go do it and like buck up you know and inspiration is different it comes from within and uh it's and and it doesn't feel like work. So the drive it feels like work. Mm -hmm. Like I gotta work hard. Oh, I did a bunch of work. Let me do even more work. Inspiration. I feel like it, it just goes. And so I think yeah. I think yeah. I had to. I had to rediscover the inspiration. And it was great to be a beginner again. I still am a beginner at many facets of music. Many facets of music. And I remember taking a class. I took a online class for berkeley school of music a singing class and and uh you everyone the way it worked was you'd post your there'd be assignments you'd have to sing a song it'd be a, a signed song and you have online to, yeah and then you have to turn it in and post it basically and there are real teachers you know real students all over the world and then you could hear everyone's songs and you could give you feedback and stuff and i just remember like thinking i'm definitely the worst person in this class you know why because i was i was it was vocally just, you're saying yeah it was just a bunch of great singers in that class you know so um it was uh yeah it was, yeah, it was humbling for sure but what? i think yeah i rediscovered the uh, passion inspiration what do you think contributes to your success because if, if you say you're in a class with a bunch of students who are better at singing than you why are you so much more successful than those students what what defines success in the in um if we're talking about success as like um 
if we're defining as like popularity because yeah i probably was the most popular artist in that class by a long shot um i would i i think it's it's my writing for sure you know when i did cooler than me um i i just started singing like a for like a month before <laughs> you know what i mean i was a rapper like i yeah. told you my whole so it's you know it's not like i'm hitting any crazy runs or i'm gonna win american idol or anything like that but um there's no there's no other writer like me in the world you know i'm not saying i'm the best writer but i'm the only one like like me and i'm very careful what i listen to um and because it also gets into my writing so there's different writers that i listen to over a lot of them are dead and and i i put that into my writing and that's why i think that i've been able to change genres a lot to explore different styles but if you listen to the voice of the and when i say voice i don't mean the sound of my voice i mean the voice like of the writer it's, it's me it's it's my own thing yeah but i think because i remember listening to your first mixtape and the reason i liked you is because you sounded different and you, you, your songwriting is amazing, but I thought I also thought that no one else sounded like you in the sense that you had a very like, 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 now you mean like you know like raspy like <laughs> yeah, airy voice, definitely. which yeah. was never. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I like my yeah. voice, man, for sure. I think I'm a good singer. Don't discredit don't, yourself. No, I don't think I'm a bad <laughs> singer. I think I'm. A, I think I'm a good. I'm a strong singer. And you're right. I think one of the things that actually bring up a good point. Um, and they actually talk about this in class. You know, if you have your own voice, one of the things I think I have going for me, despite not doing any Mariah Carey stuff, if you hear me singing one line of a song, you can tell that's me. Mm-hmm. That's him. And there's a lot, you know, there's most of the big artists in the world, it's like that. That's, right, right. that's their voice. I think a lot of other people in that class, they could do all the runs and stuff, but they didn't have that thing. Like Louis Armstrong, right? It's like he was he wasn't hitting crazy notes, but he had that voice. Mm-hmm. You hear it? That's that's Louis Armstrong. Yeah. I think I got that going for me. Yeah, that's too. really awesome. What yeah. advice would you give to those people in your class that you know they have these amazing voices? How do you distinguish yourself from other people? I don't know. I think you gotta go back to that fir- that first thing of you gotta make the stuff that you want to exist in the world. And everyone has different colors on their palette, you know. Like when I first started, I, I, I had this raspy voice. I couldn't hit a lot of notes. I can hit way more notes than I practice. <laughs> but, and I had, you know, my laptop, I make beats. Those are the colors on my palette. Learn how to make a good painting with those colors. And you just got to figure out how to use your colors to make the painting that you want to exist. Do you feel, because we talked about inspiration earlier and, and you refinding that inspiration. Let's talk more about this walk across America. Is that something you're doing to to get inspired to hear some birds from South Dakota so you can get some melodies? You know, like is this something that you're doing to gain inspiration, or is this something you're doing just because you have a goal in mind and you want to accomplish that goal? There's a lot of reasons I'm going on the walk. Both of those are certainly valid. Um, I look forward to hopefully leaving each place I go a little better than it was when I got there. Whether that means just listening to somebody or sharing a song with somebody um i want to go to go on an adventure you know 
lot of event, a lot of adventures don't show up when after you turn turn 30 years old or any age you know mm-hmm. what i mean it's like uh but especially after you've achieved some sort of success there's a tendency to sort of just build walls around the success that you've earned and guard it um so i want to go on an adventure a real real life adventure you know that's definitely part of it um what are you taking with you well luckily fortunately for me um i have a support vehicle most of the people 95 percent of the people that walk across america then there's already not that many but other people do do it um 95 percent of them push a cart the entire way and i'll do that for some of it but uh for the majority of my walk i have a guy named a wonderful man named colin mcandrews and we have an rv so basically the rv will go ahead of me each day and i'll walk all each day i'll catch up to i can sleep on it and then i'll go back to where i left off and, and keep going um, so that enables me to bring a lot more stuff. Right, right. Uh, then, then you have like a full studio on the RV. <laughs> I don't think I definitely want a full studio. <laughs> but I, I we're gonna try to put something in there, a little recording thing, and I'll have my guitar, um, a lot of socks, silk yep. liner socks, are really important. Your Nalgene bottle. I had two of these big boys. There you go. Magnum Nalgene <laughs> bottle. Um, what else? Um, umbrella. Um, yeah. Not for the rain, for the mm-hmm. sun, actually. Um, because in the, in the summer, it's going to be no joke. Um, sunscreen, hat, man, all, all the like sort of, I'm REI'd out, you know. Are you going to be listening to music? And if so, what are some artists you enjoy listening to for inspiration? I, uh, so I try not to listen to whoever has like the hottest song right, right now. Instead, I listen to, um, what have what history says and what history has um has deemed the greatest albums of all time so i i i have um rolling stone magazine has a list of 500 greatest albums of all time and i have them all downloaded for offline play and uh i've probably listened to about 80 of those so far but um yeah there's just so much great like music that you know, there's Rolling Stones albums that mm-hmm. that I haven't heard yet, um, so I, I just want to hit all those on my walk. You have a lot of time to do it. it says you totally. said it's gonna take you a year to walk across. Rocky. Yeah, I see. It, it, the the shortest amount of time I could see it possibly taking is six months. Okay, but I'll be more proud of myself if I take twelve, because I'm really competitive, um, and I'll ch- my mind will try to make it to a race. My mind will try to make it to a right. race. But it's not a race. When you asked why I was doing it, I didn't say to get across as fast as I can. That's not my goal. But my mind will try to make that a Mm -hmm. goal. So I'll actually be more proud of myself if I take 12 months instead of six. Because, I mean, I took my time. Right. Are you going to have, like, a budget per day? Anything like Are you setting any restrictions or are you just going? Like, are you like, I'm only spending $40 on a day or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, are you going to have any obstacles you have to overcome? Uh, nah, I think the the walking across America is a big enough obstacle yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, for me. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm definitely gonna like try to eat as healthy, and I'm gonna have to eat a lot more than usual. Right. So, um, I, I'm really into listening, man. And uh, I met a guy 
named Ramdas, who's a spiritual teacher, maybe like five years ago. And when I met him, he was so present with me and my friends that we left the meeting, we left his house, and we all like start crying. And I, I couldn't figure out how this dude just by like sitting, he's an old man, he had a stroke, and his part of his body doesn't work. He just looked at you with these big eyes. You could tell he's not thinking about what he had for lunch. He's right. just there with you fully. And so I thought, how the heck did, how did that happen? Like, <laughs> and it changed my life because I thought if, if he, if he just by being him, this is someone who's done like the meditation work mm -hmm. for 50 years or whatever. If he can make me feel this way, cut through the BS of my life and put me more in touch with capital R reality just by being, then I want to be like that for other people. And, and what, what do I have to do that's more important than, than being like that? Um, so that's like that's like one of the main goals or actually i'll call it mission you know uh missions i think are, i learned this from jay shetty you have goals in your life like walking across america is a goal but more important than your goals are your mission a mission is like a direction like north you don't ever get to north you don't ever finish with a mission so let me give you an example my mission is threefold is to enjoy my life help others enjoy theirs Two, be as kind as people, as kind as I can to people along the way. And three, help others experience transcendence. That's my mission. And all my goals should be in line with that mission. So like walking across America is one of those goals, you know. Anytime I make a song, hopefully it achieves those mm -hmm. things, you know. So when I say ex experience transcendence, my third part of my mission, I mean being in a way that can cut through the sort of BS of, of normal life and like put you in touch with what really matters put you in touch with your love for for the people you love put you in touch with your your pain and your sadness um those are those that's like the most important thing to me on the walk and in my life you know how, do, how does your family respond is your is your mom worried about you yeah definitely <laughs> my mom said quote i think she said um sound i think she said sounds sounds pretty weird <laughs> And I said, I said that's a hundred percent correct. It's yeah. definitely weird. It's one of the reasons I, I want to do it is is most people wouldn't do it. You know, it's part of it for me. You know, I I don't. I was in the gym the other day, in L.A. and I saw all like the, all the people on the treadmills, and they all had were all staring at their screens. Mm -hmm. And they just looked to me like hamsters running on wheels. Yeah. And I just knew right then, like, I'm dead. I, you know, I already made the decision, but I just reaffirmed, like, I'm I'm not going to be a hamster on a wheel. Like, I'm, I'm going on the walk. Like, all you people can go that way, but I'm going to go this way. And it's fine. You can do your thing. But That's really funny way. that you said that because I, when I walk on the treadmill, uh, I turn the TV off. It, it, like, turns on yeah. automatically. I turn it off and I listen to my music because I feel like the gym for me is like a therapy session and, like, listening it to is. music. And listening to like the words that people have to say and like you describe how songwriting, for example, the songs you've written for other people, you aren't feeling that at that moment, but someone else is. It's cool to like listen to music while you're working out and like feel an emotion and hear the same emotion projected through a song and like really realize that you're not the only person going through this. You know what I'm saying? Like even for me, I, I went through a breakup and I listened to Move On. I'm like, wow. Wow. 
even Mike Posner gets broken up with. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yes, he does. Is yes, a, he does. Do you, do you, is that something you wouldn't have done early on in your career is open up about personal stuff? And do you feel more connected now that you have? I'm trying to think. Um, I'm trying to think of the earlier music and how sort of open it was. I don't think I was being... purposely guarded earlier mm -hmm. i just think i've done more i've just looked more at myself you know and I've, you've experienced more life experienced yeah. more life i've done a lot of meditation yeah, i meditate twice a day every day for the i think six years now and what does that look like because i talk you always hear the word meditation yeah. right and you're like like you think like person sitting <laughs> yeah. cross-legged with their hands up totally. is that what that looks like um the the flavor of meditation that i typically do is called tm it stands for transcendental meditation and if anyone's interested they go at tm.org i am not uh <laughs> affiliated with the i don't get any money yeah. for saying that it's just something that's helped my life so and i've sent so many friends there that yeah. i know the website um so in, in that in that sort of flavor of meditation there are many different kinds um you sit uh, just with your spine erect, meaning like straight, and uh, your head unsupported. Um, so you can to totally be in a chair, like your buddy's in a chair mm -hmm. over there. As long as your head isn't that, because you're not going to sleep. Um, and then you can sort of just sit comfortably. Um, there's no sort of hand thing with it. Yeah. And uh, TM is mantra-based, so you're given a... Uh, a mantra is just for you keep it to yourself and it's basically like a sound that doesn't mean anything and um you repeat that sound internally and uh you sort of fall, can fall into these very beautiful trance states and sometimes not and and then inevitably this is a big like uh myth i think about meditation is that um in every sit that i've ever done i, I always have thoughts you know at some point in the meditation usually like within the first 10 seconds right. like my mind goes mm -hmm. off and that's part of meditating and then at at some point i'll realize that my mind has gone off and i'll remember hey i'm meditating right now and that is not a moment of failure that's actually a moment of success and you just sort of gently very softly go back to your your um, mantra and and a lot of other flavors of meditation will use the breath instead of a, a mantra and, um, you know, then when you're, it's sort of like flexing a muscle. Then when you're in your life, I don't know if you're like me, but you know, my mind can go crazy right. and, and go super negative. Like I'll be driving and I'm thinking about a turn and then all, all of a sudden I'm like visualizing messing that turn up and the car flipping and I'm in the hospital and like within <laughs> like 10 seconds, yeah, yeah. like I'm in this very dark place in my head and, um, the meditation sort of gives you a muscle to go, hold on easy we don't need to we don't need to go there yeah you know control which, of your thoughts yeah which is i think is dude it's so important i i'm a really big believer in that you you get what you think about you know it's really interesting because i was in atlanta a few weeks ago with will smith and i was talking to him and i never realized how popular meditation is and i feel like it's really popular in the creative world like a lot mm -hmm. of creatives meditate and he told me the same thing because I, I said the same thing. I'm like, man, I'm raised in Ohio. He was raised in Philly. You're raised in Detroit. If someone would come up to me and say they're meditating, I'd be like, what's wrong with you? You know what I'm saying? Um, and he's like, think about it like this. You, you sit and you just think about 
you just let your thoughts go. And he's like, we're the only species that has thoughts about our thoughts. And it's like really crazy. So far as we know. So far as we know. Because like you could think of like, you could think like, oh, I'm taking a right turn and I can go, like you're having that thought of like going to the hospital. Mm -hmm. But then you're thinking, you can think of like, why did I think about that thought? You know what I'm saying? And you can think about thinking and thinking. Yeah, exactly. Who turned you on to it? Because... Because one doesn't just like say, hey, I'm going to start meditating. You yeah. know, you have to hear about it, I feel like. Uh, I. Uh, was it the guy that you, you said you left his house starting crying? The guy that had the stroke? No, I actually had already been meditating okay. for a while when I when I met him. Um, it was really Big Sean um, indirectly. Big Sean does does is a meditator as well. Um, but. <clears throat> Um, as I mentioned earlier, we, we've been working together since I was 18 mm-hmm. and when we were about 24, 25, he invited me to the studio in LA and I got there and it was like the same, it's the same sort of feeling as with that guy though. I would say less intense, mm-hmm. but like just with, you know, sometimes you get around people and you just feel really good. Um, just by being around right. them, there's something about them. I don't know what it is that makes you feel good and even like after i went home that day like i wasn't wish on anymore i just felt really good and and his career like after being very stagnant for a number of years was skyrocketing as well so like i called him i was like (laughs) i was like what's going on with you man like share the secret here (laughs) you know And like you seem like very content, happy, like everyone around you, you're making feel better. And also like your career is doing very well. You seem like pretty aligned. So he, he recommended I read these two books. Um, one was The Alchemist and the the next one was uh, Ask and It Is Given by Esther and Jerry Hicks. And there was an introduction in that book by Dr. Wayne Dyer, who's from Detroit, uh, rest in peace. And one of the quotes from his introduction was, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. I remember reading that and going, whoa. And so I started YouTubing Wayne Dyer. And then he he actually had some guided meditations. And then I started doing those. And then from there, I, I stumbled on TM and you know, since then I've like, I've done a Vipassana retreat, which is another type of meditation. And I've also spent, uh, some time in solitude last summer I, I spent 12 days like totally alone um yeah where i just didn't have any human contact or see another person for obviously no phone or mm-hmm. or like computer or anything like that for 12 days it's pretty That's deep intense. deep experience yeah. yeah it was amazing um so yeah i'm just like i'm very curious you know like uh sometimes after i sit for 20 minutes I will feel totally uh, content. Like I don't, I don't want or need anything. I'm good. And so I'm just curious. Like, well, what would happen if I did that way more? <laughs> like, right, right. Like, how does a monk feel? <laughs> you know <what> I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting to me. So you talk about sitting in solitude. You talk about you don't want to be a hamster on the wheel while you're walking across America. Is this something you're going to document and share with the world, or is this something you're totally going to just do? Uh, I'll definitely be. I'll definitely be using um, uh, social media on my walk, uh, partly to 
document, but also partly to, um, and maybe mostly to connect um, with people. So uh, I'll be posting at times there like, hey, I'm going to be in this park and I'm going to be playing at 7 p.m. Come, it's free. Um, and I I, I, we, I call those ninja shows. I've done a lot mm-hmm. of those in my life. And they're, they're one of my favorite ways to play because it's just very pure. There's no, no money exchanges, hands. Mm-hmm. You don't have to buy a ticket or anything. And it's just me, just me giving a gift. And it feels really good for me to do that without, like, some ulterior motive right. of, like, I'm going to get a bunch of money for this or something. So I'll definitely be using it to connect with people in that way. And then, and then share what I learned, you know. At the end of the day, I feel like part of my job is to, um, you know, now that my audience has sort of gifted me the opportunity to explore what life's about when you stop chasing shiny things. Because at 22, you know, I got all this money. They gave it to me. Uh, make no mistake about it. The people listen to the music, they gave me their money. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I learned was, you know, with money, I felt zero percent more secure zero percent more comfortable in my own skin and zero percent happier so i knew that's not what life's about so then the question is what is so now i feel my job is to go ask what is go try these wild things go spend that time in solitude go walk across america and report back what i learned so um if i'm doing social media well i'll be using it yeah to connect and to report back what i learned Awesome, man. Well, thank you. I appreciate you opening up on the show. Thank you for having me. And uh, guys, you can check him out. Follow him. I'll link all of his stuff down below. His new hit, Move On, is going to be down there. Check out the video. I highly recommend it. And then another personal favorite video that he's done is Be As You Are. Sends a really good message. Me being a video guy, I really appreciate those. So guys, check him out. Follow him. Maybe he'll come through your town. You guys can hear him play under a nice tree, you know, (laughs) sipping on his Nalgene water bottle. Yeah. Uh, We'll see you guys next week for another episode of Living Large. Deuces, guys. Hi, I'm Arusha Pires, host of a new podcast called Investing with IBD. Here are a few snippets from the conversations that we're having. Facebook, you know, it's coming back. I was really treating it as a counter trend kind of stock. You have these really fast moving stocks. You want to have a little bit slower moving stocks yeah, also definitely. in your portfolio. What Bill observed after sitting through many market corrections is that the market will come down, but you need to wait a few days and see if there's going to be continued power. And that's where he came up with the follow through day concept. One of the most interesting things is, you know, utilities have actually been very, very strong over the last 52 weeks. The work that we've done on yield curve inversion suggests that after the yield curve inverts, over the next year, utility performance is actually not that good. Come join the conversation on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.